Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. Thanksgiving coming up and holiday season as a whole and that um, I think you can, if, if you're in this room and you follow Jesus, we can sometimes think that like maybe the last blessing you got was that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and forgave you and I'll just want to be clear, if that's the only blessing I ever got, I'm good, right? But he's, don't judge me for my grammar, he's gooder than good, okay? The Bible says that he'll do more than you could ask, think, or imagine, okay? So he doesn't just like Hey, I, I did enough. He's a more than enough kind of God. It even tells us in the book of Romans that you're not a conqueror in Christ. It says you are more than conquerors in Christ. He's a more than kind of God. And I just know being a father, and many of you know now being a father of, uh, went from two to four overnight with having twins, and I don't look at my four kids and be like, I just want to give them enough. And the Bible actually says, and we're going to talk about this scripture in a second, Jesus is hanging out with some religious people. I'm supposed to be doing a welcome right now, and I'm preaching to you guys. He's hanging out, and the Pharisees are like, no, why would we do that? If your son asks for some bread, are you going to give him a rock? And the Pharisees are like, no, why would we do that? Well, if he asks for a fish, will you give him a scorpion? And they're like, no. And he said, well, you're evil, man. So how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to people who ask? To who what? To who ask. Ask, and you shall receive. And so we have a really good Father who does want us walking in blessing. I think sometimes we get, we've seen people misappropriate or mishandle blessings, and then we just be like, well, that's, that's all unbiblical and wrong, right? And maybe you're in this room, you're like, bro, I don't know jack slap about Jesus. I'm, cool, you're in a great spot. I just want you to know that there's a God in heaven who loves you so much that he gave his son. He lived the life you should have lived, died the death you should have died. Then he killed death, and then he came back from life, and now he wants to give you a spirit so that you can walk in his power, his authority, pushing back darkness, building the kingdom of God, and there's blessings attached to it. You just got the gospel if you don't know Jesus, and that's God's heart for you. You can throw religion, tradition, all the others. That's God's heart for you. And I believe that that is what he's doing in these days is that there are people who are hungry. You guys know a few weeks ago we did our first youth night. Had 121 young people in this room, which we were just, our team was kind of standing on our heels. But my wife and I in youth ministry for 10, 12 years, like, dude, we just, we can't not. And I realized they're hungry. Some of those teenagers who walked into that room that night are getting baptized this afternoon. Some of those teenagers were asking some of our college students, hey, man, I want a Bible. Like, I'm, I'm talking young people hungry on their own, on their own, not in homes where mom and dad are like, you're going to go to church. They right now are in this room, and they're the spiritual leader of their homes. 15, 16, showing up here at 6.45 a.m. to build church so that you could come in here and there was a space for you. 15, 16-year-olds, and they're the spiritual leaders of their houses. This is what Voyage is all about, to see people say yes to him and live for him all the days of their life. Amen? And so anyways, there's whatever that was. My name is John Teal. I'm the lead pastor here. My wife, Shauna, um, we're just honored to be able to lead this church, and God gave us a, a word and a vision. Um, we had quite a few friends. You can hear the story some other time that packed their bags, and we all moved to a place where we knew no one. We closed the door on our house and uh, no furniture in it. Uh, Mary sitting right over here. She was our realtor. She was our only friend. Um, they brought us pizzas over that night. I remember her and her husband, Patrick, and I looked at my wife's like, what the heck did we just do? And um, now I'm looking out here, and I just feel the Lord saying, you're doing what I told you to do, which is probably the best place you should be. Amen. 
And so we're grateful for what Jesus is doing in his church because it's not ours, it's his, amen? Um, and so we're going to jump into this series called Blessed Are Those. And um, before I kind of talk about what I actually want to talk about today, which is we're celebrating, we have over 15 people getting baptized today. So when service is over, yeah, come on, that's incredible. Um, when service is over, what we're asking is if you have kids in Voyagers, will you please go check them out? Because all of our Voyager workers would like to come out and celebrate baptism as well. So don't leave them back there, all right? You take care of your little ones um, out there. I know they might try to jump in the water, okay? And if they need to get baptized, we'll hold them under. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> take that off the podcast. But please check them out. And then right here out, if you've seen the Voyage truck, the baptismal out, is out there. And I just want to say this today. Throughout this message, if you're in here and you just sense the Lord, like telling you that you need to get water baptized and you've never been water baptized, look, we'll dunk you in denim like we do not care, all right? Um, today is the day of salvation, and then if you are already saved and you just haven't made that public profession, um, man, it's filled up, okay? We don't always fill up the horse trough, but when we do, come on, somebody, all right? So don't, don't feel like if you didn't sign up that you got to wait till next time. Um, it can happen. We got extra towels and the whole deal, all right? Everybody good? Okay. Hey, if you're a first-time guest, like, I'm a talkback preacher. You can say amen. Go ahead. Let the skinny jeans preach. I don't care. You can say whatever you want. Just, I, I don't, Jesus did not die for a dead church, okay? So let's just, we're alive. You can respond. Um, maybe if you didn't grow up in a church that way, the reason responding is actually a spiritual principle is because the Bible says that our spirit can bear witness with his spirit. So when I say amen out loud, amen led, means let that be or so be that in my life. So when you respond, it's much more than just being like trying to look a certain way. It's literally your spirit responding to the word of God, okay? So it's fine. And if you get a little buck wild, we got security, all right? Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. We thank you for your word. It's um, sharper than any two-edged sword, God. It pierces to our heart, God. It'll separate things. God, I pray today it'll separate that which shouldn't be. God, it'll reveal that which should. God, the greater truths of what I believe you want to unpack today, God, that baptism is not a moment but a lifestyle. God, may you reveal that through your word, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. Um, I do want you to know here at Voyage Church, we don't just believe every Sunday is just another Sunday. Statement I'll tell our team a lot is, hey, anything can happen today, and with God, it probably will. And so being in the room, there's just nothing like it. And so next week, we're doing something really special. Our church is about nine months old. And next week, we're going to just take a moment in service. It's not going to take the whole service. We're still going to have an incredible worship service. There's going to be a powerful word. But um, we, I don't want to give all the information. I want to leave you enough to where you're like, I got to come back and figure out what's going on. But God's doing something special, and so we have the opportunity to be able to bring um, our first person on staff full-time, and we're going to ordain um, a couple next week, and I'm really, really excited. And if you've never been in a room when someone's been ordained to the ministry of the gospel, I just want you to know it's a powerful time, and I really believe that not only will that be a powerful moment, I believe what God wants to do through the message is that we all are ordained for such a time as this. You're not on earth at this point on accident. There's something about you and the way God made you. And so um, next week's going to be really special. It'll be kind of before the message. And so I encourage you to be there. And uh, I'm not going to give you any more information than that so that you want to be in the room. Amen? All right. So let's jump into week one of Blessed Are Those. I want to read you kind of our anchor passage. We'll read this every week. This is how it'll start, especially when people freak out about blessing. Like, oh, they're just talking about everybody being blessed. Well, if you look at the way Jesus talked about being blessed, um, it, you're going to have to have some grit about you, okay? It takes grace, but you're going to need some grit too, okay? And let's look at what Jesus says when it comes to being blessed. He says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain 
Um, This is in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I sensed when we had 121 young people in the room that the Lord told me that he's raising up a generation who are hunger and thirsting. They're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. When the world offers them everything, and we say this about our voyagers, we declare it about the ones in the back all the time, they will taste and see that the Lord is good at a young age, and nothing the world has to offer will even be, it'll look appealing to them in any way because they've already tasted his goodness. That's not babysitting. They're learning the word of God, the presence of God, so they can encounter him now. Amen? And I believe God's raising up a generation who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It says, Um, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I don't know if you need mercy, but I know there's lots of times in my life I need mercy, but it's saying that only the merciful, those who show it, receive it. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. My wife made a statement to me one time. She said, notice that the scripture doesn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. When you follow Jesus, there's a little bit of rowdiness about us. Jesus flipped cities upside down. He frustrated religious people. Because he wasn't a peacekeeper, he was a peacemaker. They had counterfeit versions of peace, and he was the prince of peace, and he was showing up. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons or daughters of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you. How many people are signing up for this list of blessing? And falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Can't wait to follow you, Jesus. It's going to be great. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, when you look at this passage, there's this word blessed, right? Blessed, bless. Blessed are those. Blessed are those. And um, the, the question has to be sometimes, like, what does the word blessed mean? If someone came up to you and said, hey, what does it mean to be blessed? How would you respond? Would you be like, You've got good things, you've got food on the table, but at like the the core of the word, like what is a very proper, appropriate definition? Well, to to do this um, and be scripturally accurate, we're going to have to look at the original language. And so the the, the word used in Greek here for blessed is actually the word, I don't have this on the screen, I apologize, it's makarioi, and if I'm not saying that right, you don't know how to say it either. Um, (laughs) I actually was in a class the other day with a guy teaching Greek, and he said, you can pronounce it up to 50 different ways and it be correct. I was like, dang, I've been killing it all these years. He said the dialects were so different in people that you could say it so many different ways and it actually would be correct. I was like, yes. Anyways, this word blessed, it means happy, fortunate, but at the core, it means pertaining to being happy with an implication of enjoying favorable circumstances. Now, I'm going to be honest, this kind of threw me off because I kind of grew up in church being like, God doesn't care about your happiness, right? Like, it's, it's about joy, which, yes, we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? That's very important. But this word actually would point back to the Hebrew use of the word blessed in Psalms chapter 1, 1 through 3. I don't have this on the screens, but just listen to what it says. So meaning it can mean happy, the word blessed that we just read, 
How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. But you could read it this way, if that word means happy. How happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. How happy is the man? And, and, I, and I had the thought that like, well, yeah, you're going to be happier if you do this life God's way because it's the life he created. So I always tell people this. When I follow Jesus, and, and, and I would tell teenagers this for over a decade, I cannot give you what I've got. My relationship with God is personal, but I can tell you where to go get one. And it's, it's free for the taking. You can have what I have and even more if you're hungry for it. And I want you to understand that though I can't give people what I have, I can live in such a way that they lean in and say, I want that. I want that. That's my heart for the church. For far too long, I don't know if you enjoy weddings, but I've officiated dozens and dozens of them. And I've been, you know, a groomsman. I've been, um, you know, just in, in, in the service. And one of my favorite things, no matter where my seat or standing might be in a wedding, is the groom's face. That's my favorite. Like, especially the boys that are like, hey, man, get married, put a ring on it. And then they get there, and they're like. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, you're going to have to chill. You ain't going to be able to say these vows. You've got to repeat after me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm going to call EMT. But. It's my favorite thing. And, and what usually happens, so I'll just be the officiant for this example. Everyone, please rise. You don't have to stand. Please rise for the coming of the bride. And the doors open and the music and the bride starts walking, right? And that's usually when the guy, he's kind of, he's standing there like this. And then it's like things start happening. He's like either a big grin or the tears start, you know, all that. I mean, I've watched guys who are supposed to go up and shake the father's hand, and, like, guys who are just so out of it because they're so emotional, they bypass dad, and they just, like, hug. And I'm like, oh, this is not what we went through in the rehearsal. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. You better shake that man's hand. He's going to jack slap you right now. But I love looking at the groom's face, and here's why. According to Scripture, marriage is the closest human relationship to giving us a picture of the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus is the groom and the church is the bride. My question is, do we live in such a way? Could you imagine saying, everyone, please stand. Here comes the bride. The doors open, and this woman comes out, mascara everywhere, tooth missing, looked like someone done ran over her with a lawnmower, and she's like. <laughs> There's kind of two options. There's either a gasp because of how beautiful she is or a gasp because, what the heck just happened? <laughs> and as funny as that is, my question is, if the people in the seats are the world, and the bride is the church, and Jesus is the groom. Is Jesus' tears looking at a church because they're living in such a way that the world is gasping at the beauty of it? For the world to go, I don't even believe what they believe, but they just, they just paid a debt for a bunch of kids that they've never met who might not ever be in their church. I might not believe what they believe, but the beauty of it is enticing. Or does the world look at a bride, at a church, and just repelled at the way it treats one another? And the lack of love that it has. Look, when we are blessed, we are living in 
not a perfect state, not a you don't ever have a bad moment, but there is this joy, this happiness that blessed are those that do this thing God's way. And people get really uncomfortable about blessing, but I'm like, do you understand to walk in the blessing of God that I literally have to kill my flesh? Meaning I have to kill my, my personal sinful desires to do things God's way. I have to say no to things that I once said yes to to be able to walk in blessing. Dude, it's going to take grit and grace. This isn't just like people walking around being like, yeah, I just believe in all the blessings of God and I just go up to banks and they just pour out money on me. No, this, this, doesn't, this doesn't tie to the kingdom of God at all. Sure, there can be blessing financially. There can be blessing monetary. There can be blessing with wisdom. There can be blessing with peace. If you go read back about King Solomon, King Solomon had the opportunity. The Lord showed up to him and said, ask me whatever you want. And King Solomon could have said, I want money, I want fame, I want it all. He said, will you please give me wisdom so that I can lead the nation of Israel wisely? And the Lord responds and says, because you didn't ask for fame or riches or wealth, I'm gonna give you the wisdom and then I'm gonna give you everything else. Why? Because when we excel in the important blessings of God, right? Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The other kind of like earthly blessings God gives those to people he can trust. He tells us in his word, when you've been faithful with little, he can put you over much. So is everybody, you're with me, that God wants us blessed, yes? Because his way is the, not just best way, it's the blessed way. So it's not, I'm better than you. It's, I've found the one who's better, and I'm going after him. That's what people say all the time. Oh, you're just like, you know, you're Christian, you think you're better than me. No, bro, I'll, I'm just as jacked up as you. I just found the one who's willing to get into the middle of my mess and I can walk out without shame and without regret because the stuff that I used to do, the substances I used to run to, the people that I used to run to, it was just a moment and it was fleeting. But he's forever and that's the goodness of the blessings of God. But what I wanna preach on today for just a couple minutes um, as we start week one and as we prepare to baptize a bunch of people, I wanna preach on the blessing of baptism. And here's why, because when I say that, some people are like, man, I've already been water baptized. I just showed up to church to hear something I already know. Now, I'm going to make this statement. you got to stick with me, okay? Don't be the person who's like, oh, unbiblical. I'm walking out. There's actually three baptisms in Scripture. And I want to walk you through all three baptisms. And if you've been following Jesus, no years, two minutes, two years, 20 years. This is a very important truth to understand. I grew up in church, felt called to ministry at a young age, went through Bible college, I'm 23, 24 years old, and I learn about that there's not just water baptism. And I remember being shaken to the core. I mean, I grew up, I know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? And someone asked me one day, a pastor actually of a church that we, some of our friends, Jonathan, who was up here leading, we all attended in Louisiana. And he said, John, what does Luke 3, 16 say? I thought, I don't know. I don't know. Is it there? Are you like playing a trick on me? It's like Luke chapter three only has like 15 verses. And he was like, no, there's 16 verses. What is verse? I was like, I don't know. He said, verse 16 is John the Baptist speaking. And John the Baptist says this. I baptize you with water, but someone comes after me who I'm unworthy to touch his sandals. And he'll baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. And I remember reading this and going like, okay, well, I think I've met some people who are a little weird and wacky that have talked about this. And they've like grabbed my forehead and tried to like throw me on the ground. And I wasn't about it, right? I'm like looking for the biggest dude in the room and be like, you got me? Um, but I either believe the fullness of the word of God or I don't. Either this scripture, I skip over it because it makes me uncomfortable and then I try to just talk about Jesus and then live my entire life without fullness. 
or I figure out what this is all about. And so I went on a journey. And it was a journey. It was a voyage. It wasn't an overnight thing. And so I'm just going to unpack what the blessing of baptism is in the life of someone who says yes to Jesus. You guys okay with that? Acts chapter 8, verses 35 through 36. I don't have time to read all of it, so just to let you know, Philip, um, he, he's, you know, uh, there with the apostles in the building of the church, and um, Philip is on a road, and there's this uh, Ethiopian, and this Ethiopian is in his chariot. He works um, for uh, the, the queen, and at this point, he, he's got, like, his nice little chariot. He's traveling back, and he's reading the book of Isaiah, and as he's reading the book of Isaiah, he is reading something. Philip hears him. The Lord tells Philip to go over and say, hey, do you know what you're reading? And he asks the eunuch, what are you reading? And the eunuch says, well, I'm reading out of the book of Isaiah, but I don't know what it means. How can I know unless someone tells me? And so Philip, he says, come up. He says, I can tell you what it means. He says, come on up here. So he jumps up in his limousine, all right? And then Philip starts talking to him about what he's reading in the book of Isaiah. And he's reading about, it's a prophecy of Jesus. Talking about the one led, the lamb led to the slaughter, and it's talking about Jesus. And look what happens in verse 35. Um, it says, Philip opened his mouth because the eunuch asked this question. He said, who is this talking about? Is this talking about someone then or someone now? And Philip opened his mouth. In the beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. Everyone say water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? So here's my question. What prevents you from being baptized? Whether it's water baptism, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been water baptized, what prevents you? Is it your worry about what someone might think or what someone might say? Because at the end of the day, it's about going public with Jesus. And I'm just telling you, this light that we get from Jesus, man, we don't put it under a bucket. We don't hide it under a basket. It is a city on a hill for everyone to see because we're going public with this thing. Amen. But what prevents you from being baptized? If you don't follow Jesus, I want to show you that the first baptism is not water baptism. What prevents you from being baptized into the body of Christ? So I just want to ask this question, walk through these three baptisms with you. But what prevents you? What prevents you? The word baptize in Greek, it's baptizo, and it literally means to make whelmed, to immerse, to submerge, or to sink. I like the first one was to make whelmed. I don't know. It's like proper way of saying overwhelmed because it actually has the same definition as overwhelmed. Whelmed, I looked up, and it was just like the, it's, it's basically the act of being submerged or overtaken. So to make whelmed, to immerse, to submerge, to sink, right? That's why we're going to dunk you. You're going all the way under. Hold your breath. Hold your nose. We're not going to hold you like, like, it's not a little extra spiritual if we like count to five Mississippi. We ain't doing none of that. I'm just saying, but we, you get submerged. That's what the word baptized literally means. It means to be immersed in something. And so the first baptism is this in scripture. And I know some people, if you grew up in church, you're like, dude, I, I, I don't know what to feel right now. And I want you to know it's okay if you're right here in this moment, grew up in church, and you're like, dude, I don't know about all this. This guy could be teaching. That's why we're going to go to the word of God. And I would ask you to look at the word of God and ask God to speak to you, right? I'm not your voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord wants to speak not just to leaders, but to his children. I'm a son. You're a son. You're a daughter, okay? So as we go through this, just see if the scripture proves itself. So the first baptism, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Now, if that scripture is only pertaining to water baptism... What happens to someone like the thief on the cross that was not water baptized? But Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Is he not included? And if he's not included, then Jesus either lied to him, which is probably a really jerk move on the cross to lie to someone. Be like, hey, man, you'll see me in paradise. And then 
not too long later, you know, you got over 50 days, Jesus finally ascends into heaven, and then he looks down to the chasm of hell and says, <laughs> my bad, like he didn't do this, okay? So we're all baptized into one body, and it says, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. In other words, what the scripture's telling us is when you say yes to Jesus, you are now baptized or immersed or submerged into the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. You are now a son or a daughter. And if somehow, unfortunately, you are not able to make it to the baptism waters, it's not like, dang it, God, I was so close. God, why'd that car hit me? I was headed to church to baptism Sunday. No, like you've already been baptized into the body of Christ. You're a part. Galatians 3, 26, 27 says, you are all sons of God through faith. Know that when we read sons, I'm reading out the NASB, which is the most accurate when it comes to English uh, or Greek to English translation. But the way that the Greek is, this is like the overarching term. So it says males, but it means everyone. Okay, just wanna be clear with that. I want ladies up in here being like, they're just always talking about the boys. Um, because I love the fact that in Christ, the Apostle Paul says that in Christ, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek. So anyways, in Christ, we're all one. All right, I digress. Galatians 3, 26, 27. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ. Um, into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Again, if this scripture is just talking about water baptism, I think that it would be appropriate for the Apostle Paul to do a little bit better to the church in Galatia of like, hey, when I say baptize in the body of Christ, you better make sure like they get underwater somehow. You know what I mean? You better start just like throwing people in the river. I don't know. Just get them in there because they're not in the body of Christ if they're not water baptized. It's not what he's saying. He's saying for people who have clothed themselves with Christ, right? What is clothing yourself with Christ? Well, in the New Testament, you, I don't know if you understand this. The word Christian, not a very good word in the New Testament, okay? I know today we can be like, I'm a Christian and I'm proud of it. Um, back then, that word didn't even show up at first. The word at first was you were followers of the way. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Christian was actually a word given to people who were followers of the way. And the word Christian just means little Christ. And so it was actually a term to make fun of people and be like, you're just a Christian. You're just a little Christ. You're just trying to be like Jesus. There's nothing more annoying to a bully than when they bully someone and what they're bullying them with. That person says, I'll take it. I'll adopt it. I'm a Christian. Put it on there, bold letters. I like it. Little Christ. I'm doing my best. I'm clothing myself in his ways. I'm trying to live like him. I want to see like him. I want to hear how he hears. I want to speak how he speaks. That'll really tick off somebody, okay? Yo, you little Christian. Yes, I am. Boom. Hey, t-shirts. Come on, Philip. Get it going. Call your merch people. Let's do it. Let's adopt the word. Why? Because it is what it means to be baptized into the body of Christ is to say, I have clothed myself with the ways of Jesus. What I love about the ways of Jesus is that even if you're in this room today and you don't believe that he's the son of God. Now, can I just be clear? He walked the planet. Like, please do not be a person in here like, I'm helping you out just not to live in ignorance. I meet people like, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in all that fairy tale stuff. He was never on the earth. I'm like, bro, we have more historical records than anything else that show that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was born and walked this planet. Like, that's not debatable. Historians universally agree. Now, whether he was the son of God and he was the Messiah and he was divinity, yeah, that's going to take faith. Absolutely. I think we have a lot of evidence for that as well. But God's not going to allow you to believe in all that he has without faith because the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Well, if we want to please God, then there's going to have to be faith, right? But taking on the ways of Jesus, even people who don't believe in him, I mean, it was said by, um, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, it's not in my notes, but Gandhi, I believe himself said, I would have been a Christian if I could have met one. 
I hear people talk about this Christ. In other words, I don't see them clothe themselves with this Christ. That's what it means to be baptized into the body of Christ. John chapter 20, verse 23, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And Jesus, in that moment, like he's saying, look, you are a part of me. He's giving the disciples the Holy Spirit within them. This is before the day of Pentecost saying, you are a part of me. You are clothing yourself in my way. You're going to do what I did. And the disciples, there were times that they were operating, trying to operate like Jesus while he was still alive. But you got to remember, these are teenage boys. From what we see scripturally, we talked a few weeks ago, like 18, Peter was probably the only one over 18 because it was the only one when they were all in the boat that had, it was Jesus and Peter. He pulls coins out of a fish and he tells Peter, go pay the taxes. Well, it was only required for people who were over the age of what would be like adult, okay? whether that's 18 in that culture, but even the language that Jesus uses in talking to the disciples, um, his uh, uh, theologians say that even like in the Aramaic, the language is almost like it's talking down to someone little or young. And so, dude, these are just teenage boys who've left everything to follow Jesus, and then here Jesus is going like, hey, I'm out. I know I told you to quit your dad's business, but I'm leaving too. And they're like, well, what are we going to do? You're going to be clothed. You're going to be baptized in me. You're, you're going to do this the way I did it. So when we say yes to Jesus, the first baptism takes place. It is a spiritual baptism of being baptized into the body of Christ, okay? Everybody with me on that? Yes? Okay. If you disagree with it, come talk to me after service. I'd love to talk with you. Um, and I want to be clear because what I'm going to talk about in a second, someone could ask this question. So are you saying when I get saved, I don't have the Holy Spirit? No, I am not saying that. According to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says that when you are in Christ, it says you have been marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you this. When a king seals something, it's sealed. It's sealed. So the Holy Spirit comes to live in you when you say yes to Jesus and, he and then you are baptized into the body of Christ, okay? So first baptism. Second baptism. Everybody say second baptism. The second baptism is this, is when disciples baptize disciples in water. It's when disciples, that's why today it's going to be incredible when we do baptism out here. There are husbands that are going to jump in on helping baptize wives. There are going to be wives that are going to jump in and help baptize husbands. There's some college-age friends who are like, hey, I want to jump in and help um, my, my friend who said yes to Jesus. I want Because disciples baptize disciples. We've made this such a like, well, the preacher's got to do it. No, disciples have got to do it, okay? And so water baptism is... This declaration, here's what the declaration is, Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. So the water doesn't save you. The water is the declaration that I have been saved by grace through faith. And the reason we do baptism, number one, is, well, I've met people that are like, you know, I don't have to be baptized to be saved. Pastor just said that. You're right, you don't. But Jesus got water baptized. And we got a statement we make around here. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. It's just something we say. Like, if I'm not going to look at Jesus, have a prayer life, wake up in the morning and go draw away and pray and be like, I don't need a prayer life. I mean, Jesus was God in the flesh, and he was praying. If prayer life was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Amen? If Jesus was tempted in the desert, then guess what? We're going to be tempted. Like, look at the life of Jesus, and if you're clothed in Christ, understand that if it was something he walked through, I'm going to as well. Right? But... Water baptism is not, like, I want you to know, no one's over there, like, sprinkling anything in the water. No one's like, you know, the water's going to wash all your sins off. No. Water baptism, while, yes, I believe there is a significant um, spiritual practice to it of being obedient to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, 
It is a picture, and this is why we do baptism, because just as Christ died and was raised again, the Bible tells us that we now are raised again. We are dead to our sin, our old life, and we are brand new. That has already happened inwardly when you got saved in the first baptism of you are in Christ now. Now water baptism is telling people you are the city on a hill. I'm going public with this thing. When I go under, it is a picture to you that what you're seeing happen to me physically already happened inwardly, and I'm going public with this. I'm not ashamed. I'm getting water baptized. I'm following in the steps of Jesus, and I am going under the water declaring that I have been washed, and I am brand new. Now, I'm not saying that when water baptism happens that there isn't a spiritual moment. I do believe that there's something spiritual because it's attached to obedience, but I want you to know that it is not if you don't get water baptized, well, you know, you're just in trouble, okay? The most important thing is that you are in the body of Christ. But my question to people is, unless you're in a situation like the thief on the cross, man, just get baptized. Get baptized. I walked out. We had a meeting with all our people. I walked outside. I was like, dunk fist. Let's go. Like, just baptize people. Come on. You're going public with this thing. City on a hill. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care if my grandpa thinks I'm crazy because he's rejected the church for 25 years. Maybe I'm the one that gets baptized and goes public, and it's him on his deathbed, and he finally says yes to Jesus then. I'm going public because I've been changed. The old me is gone. When people try to hold your, your past against you. I'll, I'll never forget meeting someone who is struggling through something. And like, man, I know I've been made new in Christ. But people keep saying like, oh, it's just a fad. You're just doing church. It's a little phase. You're still this. You're still that. And I said, man, I need you next time that happens to look them in the eyes. And they say, no, I, I still know that you're a XYZ. Fill in the blank for whoever. Theirs was some pretty explicit things. Uh, they had really wronged some people and treated some people and, and, and deceived and manipulated some people. They were, they were doing the work of the enemy, I promise you. This person was in bad shape. And what I love about Jesus is your mess, don't scare him. He'll walk right into the middle of your mess. And he will mess you up. And he'll give you a message, which is his message. And it'll change the world. And I told him, I said, the next time someone tries to bring up your past about who you are, you look them in the eyes and say, you're talking about a dead person. They're not alive anymore. I have died to sin, and I am alive to God in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 6. You're talking about someone who isn't even existing any longer. Because in my sin, all I did was exist. But in Christ, all I do is live. I'm not here to exist. I'm not here to just make it. I'm here to live in the fullness of what he has. Romans chapter 6, 3 through 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Here it is. We were buried, therefore, by him in baptism into his death. This is where it's talking about water baptism. That's the picture of you've been buried with Christ in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. It'll be a statement when I baptize people. It'll be, hey, you've been buried with Christ and raised to walk in the newness of life. Okay? This is what the scripture tells us. And then Matthew 28, 19, not only is it water baptism something that we should do, now once you've done it, guess what? This is what I love. Uh, I think it was this summer. We had our groups, you know, we, we do groups, um, meet in homes, Acts chapter 2, devote ourselves to the word, and we break bread together. Um, this semester we had like 183 people in groups. We had more people in groups than in services until the past two weeks. More people have been coming in service. But I was like, man, I, I'll take more people in homes than in a service all day long. Amen. And it was so cool this summer that someone did called us and was like, hey, can you come over to our house? 
and baptized my husband in our pool. Disciples baptizing disciples just right there in the midst. And, and I went over there, but I was able to tell them, like, hey, when this happens again, like, you guys don't have to call me. Like, y'all do it. You got it, right? Like, man, just begin. If people are making the commitment, begin to see people baptized. And here's why. Matthew 28, 19. We've been given this by Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we'll say that today when we baptize people. Why? Because it's biblical. But you've been charged with this. If you're in a group and someone doesn't do it today and they bring it up this week, like, man, you better find the closest body of water. I don't know. You can fill up a trash can with some water do something. I mean, if, if you need to set it up, we can set it up. It's fine. We'll call someone with a pool. But, man, this, we've been given this charge by Jesus. So when we say yes to Jesus, we're baptized in the body of Christ, a spiritual thing. It's not something you see, per se. The second is you're baptized in water. And the third is usually where things get really uncomfortable and people start asking the question, you say they don't have the Holy Spirit? The third baptism is that Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Again, it's Luke 3.16. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So it's Bible. Whether it makes you comfortable or not, doesn't matter. And if someone made this scripture look like something it's not, don't let someone else define scripture over Jesus. Okay? So Matthew 3.11, it says, he will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Oh, wait, I thought that was Luke 3.16. Mark 1.8 says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Wait, I thought that was Luke 3.16. Luke 3.16 says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. There it is. John 1.33, he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Wait, I thought that was Luke 3.16. Do you know that this is one of the only topics that's found in all four Gospels? John 3.16, Nicodemus, not in all four Gospels. We love it, though. For God so loved the world that he gave us one and only son. Yes, it's amazing. I'm just saying it's kind of crazy that this statement. This specific thing, out of the writers who did their, their perspective of the gospel, if you will, I always say the gospels is like this. If we went out on Highway 90, we watched a wreck happen, and let's say that I was standing on this side, a couple of you guys were on the other side of the street, someone was tying their shoe, and then they hear a crash, and they look, the cop is going to come take statements from all of us. And our statements might vary a little bit based upon our perspective, when we turned our eyes, but nobody's lying. Some people will be like, well, the gospels contradict each other. No, they don't. There are four different people giving four different accounts. The book of Mark is actually Peter's account, but it's, it's known that Peter probably at that time struggled to write. And so it had to be either a firsthand written or the person writing it had to be talking to someone at a firsthand account. That's why the Bible is so good when it comes to historicity, when it comes to the historical aspect of things, is because it didn't let a long time pass for what we have here. It's so solid historically. And so... This is in all four Gospels, that Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. It's there. So, and I want you to know that Scripture also confirms these three things, because here's what we see. The, being baptized into the body of Jesus, well, what, what washes us clean? Does anybody know what washes us clean? The what of Jesus? The blood of Jesus, okay? And then when we're baptized, physically, we're baptized in what? Water. And then we're talking that Jesus will baptize us with what? Fire, the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 John 5, 7 through 8. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree. There's either three baptisms or there's not. But I would say this to you today. As we talk about, well, let me read you Acts 2.38 because that kind of wraps it all up where Jesus told him in the, 
in the upper room. He's going to send the promise. And this is where he said, in the Gospels, it said he's coming to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38 is where that moment happens. Because he tells the disciples, and if you're new here, you've never maybe heard us say this. Do you find it crazy that these disciples followed Jesus for three years and that Jesus didn't tell them that they were trained, ready, and prepared to go move the gospel forward? I remember learning this and going, wait a second. So you're telling me that these three do, like, so we have our SEU at Voyage Church, Southeastern University. We're an extension site. We've got students getting ministry degrees right here through our church. It's incredible, and it's fully accredited. SACS accreditation, same accreditation as LSU, University of Florida, University of Alabama. And so they're getting top-notch degrees right here through our church, but they feel called to ministry. Now, I'm going to be honest. We're trying to give them the best we can, Right? You know, we're teaching them Tuesdays. They've got a chapel, and they've got a discipleship class they walk through, and they've got their online coursework. But I'm going to be honest. If Jesus in the flesh walked up and said, hey, you can follow me for three years, and they're like, hey, Pastor John, do you think SEU at Voyages is better or hanging out with Jesus in the flesh for three years? I'm like, you better go. <laughs> the best ministry school on the planet. Do you find it crazy that these boys hung out with him for three years, and he didn't say, go, share the gospel? He said, wait in Jerusalem until the promise comes, and I baptize you with fire and clothe you with power from on high. In other words, they were in Christ. Peter had already made a confession. He says, you are Christ, son of the living God. Jesus says, Peter, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. My father in heaven. They've already made like professions. Jesus is the one. He's the son of God. And Jesus doesn't say, all right, boys, you got it. Come on, let's go. He says, wait, because there's another baptism coming. And all I can tell you is this. If you look at the story, Peter denied Christ three times. He, he goes through this difficult moment. Jesus comes back and restores him. And all I can tell you is 50 days later, they were in an upper room. And according to Acts 2.38, this is actually Peter saying, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of, the, of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter went from a denier to a declarer in 50 days, and he was waiting. What was the culminating factor that brought him from denier to declarer? All I know is that Jesus restored him, but when Jesus restored him, he didn't start declaring. He was in the upper room, and for 10 days, they were fasting and seeking the Lord, and the Holy Spirit showed up and baptized them, and he opened up the door and preached, and 3,000 people got saved. All I'm telling you is that when you're clothed with power from on high, when you ask the Holy Spirit to baptize you, there is a power and an authority and a courage that comes on your life. And no, it is not just something that just happens. Why? Because you've got to ask. You've got to ask. And someone in here could be like, well, what's going to happen if I ask? I don't know. Ask and find out. <laughs> well, what happened to you? Well, just because I had an encounter, I asked on Shoe Peak Bayou, renting an upstairs apartment as a youth pastor for a year and a half, and I pushed against this truth because I grew up in a tradition that said that's not true, it's weird, it's wacky, and I just remember calling my girlfriend at the time and saying, Shauna, I am preaching to these teenagers, and I feel like I dump my cup out, and I go home, and I am exhausted. I'm exhausted. I feel like I have nothing left. And she said, John, have you ever asked to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? I said, great, this girl's weird. Awesome, I'm gonna have to break up with her. She believes weird stuff. Awesome. As I grew up in a traditional background that just anything beyond getting saved, there's, there's nothing else to ask for. And, you know, as you study scripture, you find this isn't true. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Oh, you wine drinkers. I didn't say don't drink wine. It says don't get drunk with wine. It says, but instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know that word filled in Greek? It's in a comparative tense, and comparative means over and over. So what I love about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that you could be in a season where you're like, I've asked for it before, but I feel you could ask for a fresh baptism. You could ask for the Holy Spirit to come. The fire, it's a consuming that happens. And all I'm telling you is I remember asking on Shoe Peak Bayou, upstairs. It, I had to run really fast from my car 
to the upstairs apartment because the mosquitoes were like the size of pterodactyls on the bayou. I promise you. I'd be talking to Sean. I'd be like, hey, I got to put everything, and I had to run. These things were ruthless. And I just remember being up there and praying and asking the Holy Spirit to come. I was like, Jesus, I don't want to live. I believe in you. I've been water baptized, but I don't want to live my whole life if there's something I can ask for that you'll give me. And just because of religion and tradition, be scared to ask. And I asked, and I said, and if nothing happens, nothing happens. And can I tell you that it wasn't about some crazy moment. You know what it was about? It was about the authority from then on. Something shifted in my life. I remember I went back home to Florida, and I preached a youth camp. I was preaching morning service, and then I was preaching night service. My mom gave me a ride back to my parents' house to take a nap before I would preach again that night. And I went to walk inside, and my mom grabbed my arm. And I mean, it was like one of those arm grabs, like, I mean, I'm 24 at the time. I ain't been grabbed by my mom, like, you know, are you in trouble in a minute? And I knew. I was like, it was like one of those things, like, don't go inside. So I turned around, and she looked me in the eyes. Again, mom and dad raised me in church, loved the Lord. She said, what happened to you? I was like, what are you talking about? I don't think anything. She said, I've never heard you preach like that. I heard you preach your first sermon at 16 years old. What happened to you? I said, I asked the Holy Spirit to baptize me. And this, this confidence that comes from God, not from me, not from me, the ability to, scriptures coming back to my mind, this is not because like, oh, you're a preacher. Dude, I struggled in school. Every year, parents were meeting with my, or teachers meeting with my parents, be like, we're going to push them along. I struggled. Reading comprehension, you know, you read the story and then you answer the questions. I get to the question and it's like, what color was, you know, the beach ball that Billy had? And I'm like, who the heck's Billy? I just read this whole story. I don't even know who Billy is. And then I would fail. Like, it, it was bad. I'm telling you, when I asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit's the one who leads us and guides us in all truth. Man, there was, there was just something happening because there was a consuming. There was an immersion that happened. And can I say this to you today? When it comes to our life in Christ, that's what you should want. And you know why you should want it? Because that's what everybody in the world wants. I was supposed to have an Oculus. Anybody in here got an Oculus today? Um, one, of our, one of our team members, we were talking, but then it just got missed, so I don't have it. So you know what an Oculus is? It's, it's like the VR, right? Has anybody ever played an Oculus or put it on? Has anybody ever watched any of the TikTok videos where people are like in front of their TV and they're destroying 55-inch flat screens because they've got this virtual reality thing on. They think that they're like in this other world. And then I watched one the other day. This little three-year-old walked down in front of mama. Mama had the VR on and some monster came out. She said, ah, yeah. And I'm talking, she hit that three-year-old. I'm whoo, like DCF probably got called. Like I'm talking, child got crushed. And I was thinking to myself, I've, I've played them and, like, I've hit fans and all sorts of stuff. You know, I haven't broken anything, thank God. But, like, dude, when you're in it, you are immersed in something else. But can I tell you what's interesting? You're immersed in something that is not the reality around you. And what I find interesting, number one, is that our culture, according to the fact that those even exist, show the God design on the inside of humanity, we long for immersion. We long to be fully consumed. I don't know what your personality is like, but when I get into a hobby, I become immersed. I've sent my wife two new bikes in just like the past week and a half. I was dead sold on one, and then another one, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, cycling's my thing. I can get immersed in it. Like, Shauna always is like, John, praise God that, like, the Lord kept you because, like, if you would have gotten into some bad stuff, like, I just don't do things halfway. I don't follow Jesus halfway. Like, it's all or nothing because I just believe we were created to be immersed, immersed. I mean, you see this in everything, right? When you go to sporting events, 
Why do you pay all the money to be in the stadium? Dude, last night, LSU, Alabama. I lived in Louisiana, okay? Now, I will agree. I think LSU fans are some of the worst fans on the planet. But I'm just saying, all the Cajuns are going to beat me in the parking lot. Um, I'm just saying that I have driven across the bridge in Baton Rouge while the stadium was filled and rolled down my windows, and I could hear it. There's an immersion in Death Valley, y'all. Like, crazy. Number one, I find it so crazy that we will go to that place for a bunch of dudes that are younger than the majority of the people celebrating. We'll wear jerseys with their names on our back. But when we come into church for a Jesus who carried my cross on his back, and your family, and your children, don't you want to be immersed in this? Don't you want to be immersed in the goodness of God? Because what he did on the cross when he said, I can baptize you into the body, and then I can put you in a community that'll baptize you in water, and you can hold each other accountable for where I want to take you, and then I want to clothe you with power from on high, and I want to immerse you with my spirit, and the same power and authority that Jesus walked around with, we can walk around with, not going we're better, but walking as just lowly servants who just love to serve people, and saying, hey, principal, can we pay a debt? Hey, is there somebody that we can love? Is there somebody I can serve? And people are looking at you Whitney Whitney talked about a friend who just kind of thought it was crazy that they they use their Sunday Whitney uh, her and her husband do two to fours for us and voyagers and their friend kind of thought it was crazy that they take their free time to serve and do so much and I, I thought about the oculus I thought about the fact that if you are in the room when someone's got the oculus on everybody's laughing at them everybody's like you look crazy why would you do that it's because I'm immersed why would you take your Sunday and do that because I've been immersed. I'm in the kingdom of God, and I just want people to understand that what out is out here, it's lies. There's no truth. There's no freedom, but I found it. And can I tell you, it's not VR. It's the kingdom of heaven, and it's real. It's more real than the reality you're in right now. Some of you are in this room, and you think when it comes to spiritual things, you're like, I'm a natural person just having these little spiritual moments. No, you are a spiritual being having a natural moment on earth right now. That's the reality of your life. And your soul can either be immersed in the things of God or not. So I'm going to give you two pictures really quick. Don't want to spill this water. All this equipment up here would be bad. Chuck, come here. Where you at, Chuck? Um, Bristol and McKenzie. Bristol and McKenzie were SEU students at our church that we were on staff at for, whoa. That was close. I was about to have to lay hands on you. Help her up. Um, And so uh, Bristol and McKenzie actually were SEU students at Bold City Church. That's our sending church, the church that supported Shauna and I as we took the steps. So they're here this weekend hanging out. But um, this is going to kind of be a weird analogy because I know, anyways, just go with it. Um, But McKenzie, I want you to stand right here by the little iPad. This is going to be like your like check-in center, okay? Um, Bristol, I just need you to go stand over there by that door. Um, Now, just bear with me the fact that it's like males and uh, male and females, but You'll understand the picture. But let's say Chuck is about to start college. I just have him up here because they've all been a part of SEU college. So Chuck's about to start college, but he's going on campus, okay? Because I know when I talk about the three baptisms, things can kind of get like, wait, what's going on? And I want to show you what's going on. So what's going on is that Chuck is about to walk into the dorm room to find out where his room is and get his bags in there, okay? And so what happens is, is Chuck walks in, and he comes in, and he meets McKenzie, okay? But, the McK- but McKenzie in this like place is going to be the Holy Spirit. Okay, everybody say, hi, Holy Spirit. Just bear with me. I promise it'll make sense. So 
you find out, oh, okay, hey, I need you to go meet the leader of our dorms. They're going to walk you through, show you everything, all the amenities and all that kind of stuff. So let me go introduce you to them. Okay, so come on. And they come over, and everybody say, hi, Bristol. But Bristol's going to be Jesus, okay? And so now what's happening is the Holy Spirit is introducing, which the Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit draws us, okay? So now at this point, you're back to your place, okay? And then you begin, just show them around, I don't know. And then at that point, okay, you're done for the day, Holy Spirit. Now I need you to go to your room, okay? Um, just go back there behind the cage, okay? So you're showing them around. And at this point is when the dorm leader, or in the analogy, just bear with me, Jesus would say, hey, I need to go take you to where you're going to be, your, your room. And there's actually someone there that you'll live life with, and I'm going to introduce you to them. And so Jesus begins to take you over and brings you. And then at that point introduces you to a person. Have you ever met them? Oh, yeah. yeah, you met them earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now at this point, this is where the relationship with God becomes close because when you said yes to Jesus, it was only because the Holy Spirit brought you to him. And then when you met him, he said, hey, I'm going to clothe you with power from on high, and you're going to have a closeness with me because of the one you're going to. Let me introduce you to your, your dorm mate, if you will, and introduces you. And you're like, wait a second. I've met you. Yes, they were the one that brought you to me because the Holy Spirit baptized you into the body of Christ. And then a disciple baptized you in water. But now I'm going to take you, and Jesus is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And this is where the closeness resides. Is it clicking? Okay, give them a hand. <laughs> Worship team, you can come up. We got to close this, but I just need you to see, when we baptize people, we do not do this, water baptism. Did this come out of the sink in the bathroom? Oh. Yep, it did. <laughs> Nobody would say, based upon the sip that I just took, that I just got baptized. Because baptism is immersion. And a lot of times what happens is, is we'll say yes to Jesus. We believe in him. He loves us. He's, he's for us. And we try to live for him, begin to read his word. But we'll try to actually live our life without a closeness to his spirit. We don't want to be fully immersed in his spirit. Because when you're fully immersed in the spirit of God, you're going to have to give up control. You don't get control. The Holy Spirit, Galatians 5.16 says, so I say live by the spirit and not by the flesh. And so we have so many Christians who are like this and like once in my life, and then you feel like you like pour it out. Maybe you like loved on somebody or served someone and you just feel like you're living this kind of life. And can I tell you that when it comes to immersion, baptism outside, I'm not making people drink water to be baptized. They're being immersed. When you immerse something in water within and upon when Jesus came out of the water, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Notice that if you're not filled, well, there's no immersion happening, right? There's a slowness, but will it even get to the point where it fully, and, and actually, I love that that just actually happened, because I start thinking about the voyage of following Jesus. Some of you are in here today, and you're like, well, he's saying if I don't do this. No, I'm telling you to lock eyes with Jesus. I feel like the Lord's like writing analogies. Let's go. You won't make it very far with them if you're not immersed. You know what the heart of our church is? My wife and I said this to each other years ago when the Lord gave her voyage in 2016. We said, we're not interested in seeing people say yes to Jesus and living for him for three years. 
all the days of your life, the voyage, all the days of your life, planted in the house of the Lord. And I'm telling you, it only happens. People that I've watched be willing to say, Holy Spirit, baptize me, immerse me. I want everything. And I'm just telling you, we already live in a culture that wants to be immersed. It's already on the inside of us. Why not ask? We stand to your feet this morning. We're going to celebrate water baptism, but today, for you, maybe that's not your step. Maybe your step is, have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to baptize you, to immerse you? Can I say to some families in the room, some of you are going to need to take some steps of what immersion looks like. You know what immersion looks like in our family? It's the fact that our seven-year-old knows that our household is going to have worship playing almost all the time. She has a few shows she likes here and there. But our house, when we wake up in the morning, it's immersed in worship, in the presence of God. When summer's on the way to school, you know what it's like? Shauna set this up, and this is what it's like with summer. Pulling around, she's unbuckling. I'm brave, I'm bold, I'm strong, I'm courageous, I'm kind, I'm anointed, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I make rooms better, I'm a leader, I'm an influencer. God's for me, not against me. I love my friends, my friends love me, and good friends find me. These are the things Summer Kate just declares, and she's been doing it since she was about four years old. She turned seven next week. She's immersed in the things of God, the truth of God, the word of God. Are you immersed? Are you immersed? I know you might be in this room like, bro, I just came to church. I'm just trying to check off a box. You get nothing that way. The immersion of God, Holy Spirit, and again, I know you could be in the room today and be like, dude, I've been told that that's not real. All I'm telling you is it says that Jesus will do it. Have you ever asked him? Have you ever asked him? If not, if you ask him and nothing happens, but if you ask him and things begin to shift and change, the things that you've tried on your own begin to happen because he's been invited in. So these next few moments, whatever that looks like, if you're in this room today and you've never said yes to Jesus, I'm gonna be standing to my left, your right, as the team leads us, I'd love to have a conversation with you. If you're just like, man, I, I don't know what it's like to get into the body of Christ, I'd love to walk you through that today. But if you're in here and you're like, man, I just need to ask the Holy Spirit to immerse me. I, I, I wanna ask again, the altars are open. You come have a moment with him asking, because the Bible says, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to people who ask? Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.